Hello, and welcome back, or welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I'm Lucas Stock. And I am Jens Nelson. And this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Today, we are back recording on a... um, well, on the internet, despite our last episode. And uh, we are going to be covering a topic that we are interested and excited about for a couple reasons. Uh, One, it's sort of a look at a Bible passage, which always end up being more interesting than I ever expect when we do these episodes, because I feel like in reflecting on and then discussing passages of scripture, even really familiar ones, things that come out in our conversation always surprise me and make me think in new ways about the passages. So I'm excited for that. And I'm also excited because this is a topic, a question, a passage that was sent to us by a listener um, just this past week. So we're going to jump right on it and go ahead and cover it. Um, And I'm just going to read... Not the entire email that he sent us, but um, a little bit to get to get at the heart of like what the the question around this is. So we're talking about First Corinthians nine nineteen to twenty three, basically. Um, we'll we'll read the passage in a second, but just to jog people's memories, this is the place where Paul is talking about being all things to all people for the sake of of saving them. Like I said, we'll read the whole the whole passage to get a better idea of what he's actually saying. But for now, the question that was posed to us is thinking about this passage and this concept in light of evangelism. And, and we can we can talk about more, but but we do want to hit hit evangelism. Thinking about um, what it means to do evangelism well seems to be kind of what Hayden is getting at. Um, and so a couple of, of things to kind of get the ball rolling that he posed to us. He says, if Paul were speaking to the church today, would he add anything to this list or add any other religions? Thinking of him saying, to the Muslims, I became Islamic in order to win those who are Islamic sounds pretty crazy. But today it's the fastest growing religion in the world. So wouldn't he have addressed this? I think that means like, wouldn't Paul address Islam in a passage like this had had he been living today um or would he say other things like to the japanese i became a buddhist to the germans i became an atheist in order to win those who are buddhist or those who are atheist um and then he kind of gives a little bit of of his thoughts when thinking of how to evangelize most effectively and lovingly to all people these verses stick out as a pretty radical example as to how we should humbly present the gospel by respecting all differing belief systems or cultures to the point of becoming them and then that leads to the question of what does this mean? What what does, and not just what does this mean in the sense of like, what is Paul talking about? But like he said, specifically in the context, if we're thinking about the church's witness in the world, evangelism, um, how do we think through what it actually means? If I can pose the question in in my own words, how do we think through what it means to become all things to all people? I think that's sort of the the core 
of the question, and I think we've got some good places to start. So before we start start the conversation, um, let's let's at least read the passage to make sure that we've all got it fresh in our minds as far as what Paul actually is saying and sort of what where our bounds are for the conversation today. Yeah. So I'll kick it over to you if you want to go ahead and, and start us off. Yeah. Well, without reading all of 1 Corinthians, I mean, obviously, this is like a single, you know, three or four or five verse chunk in, in isolation, but it has a context. It has it has things that come before and after it that Paul is saying, that he's arguing. Some of this has to do with, you know, that conversation about meat sacrifice to idols, like, should you eat it? Should you not eat it? What's the deal with that? And so it, specifically in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, I'm reading from the CSB. It says, Although I am free from all and not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, like one under the law, though myself, I am not under the law, to win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, like one without the law, though I am not without God's law, but under the law of Christ, to win those without the law. To the weak I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that I may be every pot or so, sorry, so that I may by every possible means save some. Now I do all of this because of the gospel, so that I may share in the blessings. Um so yeah, really, really interesting verse, really interesting passage. One that I think, again, like any passage of the Bible, unless you're really careful, you could take any number of directions. That especially that bit about I become all things to all people. Um, this 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 is one of those passages I think that um, has to do with gospel contextualization. Like when I was reading about this passage, whether it was in a commentary or online and articles. A ton of them mentioned this idea of gospel contextualization. Uh, more or less what that means is like like Lucas said, when you go to a certain people group, when you go to a different country, when you're perhaps even in a different part of your own city, you know, think of somewhere like Chicago that is very contextualized depending on what neighborhood you find yourself in. You have to adapt. You can't expect to go into Japan to just say English words about the gospel and expect to do anything like any good missionary knows that like contextualization is really important you have to understand the culture the practices the language perhaps barriers stumbling blocks between different people groups like those are things that are important when you go engage cross-culturally um and so this in a way this this passage is speaking to that I mean Paul Paul we know was um uh, you know, he was called to preach to the Gentiles. We see that in Galatians 2.8. And so that required him to change elements of his of his approach to evangelism when needed. Um, you know, he says, though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So when he's, when he's evangelizing to Jews, he becomes like a Jew. When he's evangelizing to Gentiles and Greeks, he becomes like one. Um, now, where we need to be careful... And this is something I saw in one of the articles, and maybe to Hayden's point, like would Paul say, to a drunkard, I became a drunkard, um, to an adulterer, I became a, an adulterer. Like, I don't I don't think when Paul says, I become all things to all people, that all literally means all. 
And so that's, again, why when you when we read scripture, and we've had previous episodes on this idea, we need to be careful about taking the Bible literally. Yes, we can literally read the words on the page here. He says, um, I have become all things to all people. That, I mean, if we're just going to take that at face value, then yes, you could say, um, to the Nazis, I became a Nazi. To to murderers, I became a murderer. Like I don't I don't think Paul being knowing what he writes elsewhere in the New Testament, especially like I don't think Paul would condone um, lowering our lower lowering ourselves to the level of 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 sinning to to reach the lost. I think when he when he says he becomes a Jew, when he says he becomes a Gentile, when he says the things that he becomes. It's not to the point of, of, of compromising the gospel. It's, it's, again, that idea of contextualization. Um, it's recognizing, like, these people have different beliefs, different practices, and so we need to be careful. Uh, context, uh, or Proclaiming the gospel sometimes might require nuance or um, recognizing, like, yes, I'm free, free in Christ to do certain things. Like, yes, I, I can drink or I can... Um, go to this place or that, but you know I don't do these other things. And so, again, it's this does not mean that we compromise with the world in order to fit in. I think I think maybe some have have done that at different points. They'd point to a passage like this and be like, "See, I can go do this, or I can go do this," because Paul did. Paul became all things to all people. Um, but like, Paul never compromised the moral standard you know set forth elsewhere in scripture but he was he was willing to forego traditions and perhaps familiar comforts in order to reach an audience um i'll i'll maybe contextualize this to today but let's just go over a couple examples briefly of of uh, other examples in scripture like think of when he's in athens this is like in acts 17 Paul established rapport with the Greeks before telling them about Jesus. So, like, if you know the the passage of the Areopagus, he's making his way through Athens. He sees, um, you know, statues and monuments to these gods and unknown gods. And so, rather than simply railing against the idolatry, Paul used those symbols of pagan pride to gain their attention. You know, he says, basically, like, you're. I can see that you're wise and intelligent and you have this... Uh, you know, this monument to the unknown God. And I tell you, the one that's unknown, I proclaim to you. So instead of just like standing up before the Athenian people and just like bashing them over the head saying, you know, you, you, you idiots, you sinners, you, you idolaters, like, no, he, that's not where he started. He started with like, I, I can tell that you guys are, are smart and caring and wise people. And the things that you don't know, I'm here to like help you realize or perhaps another time, when speaking to educated Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, Paul pointed out his own high level of education in order to earn their respect. So Acts 22, he appealed to like his previous life. Even though he was no longer a Pharisee, he appealed to like look at my, my background, my upbringing, my training, to make a case, right? So to, to them, he became quote-unquote, you know, a Pharisee again. It doesn't mean he was actually Pharisaical, but he was he was pointing to his own credentials to to you know, earn their respect. Um, or later, when in Roman custody and about to be flog, uh, flogged, Paul mentioned that he was a Roman citizen and that helped avoid a flogging. That's later in Acts 22. So Paul Paul recognized contextually where he found himself in given situations, like he wasn't necessarily going to take advantage of everything and every time, um, but when appropriate, 
he he used his credentials basically to to give him credibility to to protect him or to help further the cause of the gospel um and so that that i think is the heart of what it means to to be all things to all people again it doesn't mean that we compromise it doesn't mean that like yeah like in order to reach all those uh you know drunks at the bar i'm going to go compromise myself um and get drunk all the time like i don't i don't think we would see that and perhaps to hayden's point like to contextualize that to today, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that like I have to become an outright Buddhist to 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 reach Buddhists. But perhaps that means like when engaging with Buddhists, you you already have an idea of like what B- Buddhism is, what certain beliefs or practices are, and you can contextualize those to make those um, you know like I I truthfully I probably don't know enough about Buddhism to like have a good example off the top of my head but like you know maybe there's something about that practice or belief system that like is similar or mirrors christianity and you can be like like this thing like we have like this is what we find in christ like we can take parts of what people recognize and understand and make them clearer or you know (laughs) this podcast we're we're coming up on our three-year uh podcast anniversary, and if you recall the context in which our podcast was launched, it was at the very beginning stages of COVID, of the pandemic, of lockdown. I mean, like, if you go back and listen to those first episodes, you hear us talk almost every week about, like, this new thing that was put in place. And Lucas tried to go get, like, something at the Cheesecake Factory, but it took forever because, uh, you know, of the regulations that were in place or whatever. Um, you know, per- I know that was a very heated... Um, a very divisive time. There were a lot of opinions on both sides of the aisle. Um, but perhaps Paul would have said during that time, that beginning days of, of the pandemic, like Paul might have said, like, to those who, who wanted to wear masks, I wore a mask so that I might engage with people wearing masks. Like, part part of what Paul is saying is, like, to perhaps even eliminate some of the offensiveness or to to try to cut down on the the bashing and the the hate spewing and i recognize living in an internet age this is difficult because we all have opinions and we want to share them constantly um, but for those of us who have been you know especially if we're entrusted with proclaiming the gospel whether that means we're pastors or teachers or missionaries like we bear a certain responsibility to to be humble to be meek, to be Christ-like. So when we engage with other people, you know, Jesus engaging with the woman at the well, Paul engaging with the people of Athens, like we contextualize, we, we, we're gracious, we're humble, and we proclaim truthfully. We don't compromise, but we also don't like start bashing people over the head. And I think a lot of times we're prone to do that. Like we're prone to want to immediately call out sin. But you know what that does? The people that we are yelling at, they just like, they, they care. They, 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 or I should say they don't care. Like all they hear is you bashing them over the head as opposed to like meeting them where they're at, like understanding that nobody wants to be spewed. You know, no one wants to be on the receiving end of, of vitriol. They, they want to be recognized for their innate humanity. And so like approach them as such. So, uh, you know, I, I want to kick it to you. I've been talking now for like 10 some minutes. I want to hear like some of your preliminary thoughts. What are some of the things that, that you glean from this passage? Um, so if you have thoughts, I'd, I'd like to hear them. 
I think like the question of, well, I guess I should say, at least for us in our, in, in our church context and culture and time of, of where, where we come out of and everything, I think the question isn't so much like, do you, or, or even how do you contextualize the gospel in even evangelistic settings or whatever, but I think that's kind of taken for, for, for granted, which, which it should be more or less. Um, not that we shouldn't think about it, but like the real question, which I think is what Hayden's getting at and what we've been talking about is, is like the limits of that in terms of making something intelligible in a different context is different than changing what that, the content of that thing, in this case, the gospel or whatever. So like, no, Paul wouldn't go around sinning as if that would somehow, you know, assist him in the preaching of the gospel to people engaged in whatever particular sin or whatever. Um, and I think sort of like by by extension, uh, it, it also is, is kind of incoherent to imagine like either actually adopting a different uh, religious practice or like pretending to like there's some interesting things with in terms of like, okay, I'm a missionary in Japan. Okay, I'm looking around. All the people in my neighborhood are Buddhists. Uh, okay, they go here, they do this, they have this. Okay, I'm just going to start doing all of that and start talking to them. And then they're going to think that I'm a Buddhist and I'm going to start talking about Jesus and they're not going to like see me as some external whatever coming in with a different foreign idea to what they're used to. Like that doesn't really make sense to me, you know? Like like aside aside from the fact of like practices that are actually like idolatrous, sinful, that compromise the revelation of of God in in scripture, you know, like different adopting different religious practices, even ones that are adaptable into a Christian context or, you know, neutral if there are such things like that's I don't I don't see that as being what Paul's doing either. And and I think the perfect example it well or the perfect way to start one to start answering what it is that Paul's talking about here is to look at the rest of um, like we have a lot about and by Paul. So if he says something, there's lots there's lots of opportunity in the pages of the New Testament to look elsewhere to see if he says something else or does something in a narrative that sheds light. And I think the scene at the Areopagus is a great example um, in terms of he is essentially the the like it's almost it's almost cheesy because this is such a classic example but there's a reason for that it's cuz it's cuz it's very easy to understand and it's very obvious what's going on and we get a fair amount of detail with his with his speech that he gives to the Athenians but it's like it's it's pretty clear at least i i think you know on reading that story in act 17 like it's it's pretty clear to see as outsiders reading the account how he takes something that made that that it's essentially an act of translation right it's not an act of change like you were saying compromise it's translating what you the message 
the content that you are that you are wanting to communicate needing to be expressed in a way that is intelligible. So the most basic level of gospel contextualization is translating it into a different language, right? Our Bibles are a contextualization effort by people over the last several hundred years to enable people who read English to read the scripture, which was not written in English. And then obviously it gets more and more. There's there's like the classic things like, you know, uh, uh, Hudson Taylor wearing traditional Chinese clothing when he moves to China, right? Um, those sorts of things as well that really come down to this idea of of like obstacles. Um, you know, the the obstacle and the offense and the scandal that the New Testament speaks of is the cross. Christ is the rock, the the, the stumbling block. The cross is foolishness to Greeks and a scandal to Jews, right? That is the that is what's offensive. What's offensive about the gospel is the gospel. What is offense, what's offensive about Christianity is Christ and who he is and what he's done. And then other things are offensive. If, if we can imagine a culture where it's offensive for, I don't know, it's offensive for men to comb their hair. Well... That's going to make it a lot harder to communicate with men in that culture if you're a man who combs his hair. <laughs> and that's like a silly, random, made-up example that just shows the principle of what we're talking about. And there are much more complicated issues, right? Go to Romans. We go to earlier in chapter 9 of, of 1 Corinthians. We think about Jews keeping kosher. Jew, let me rephrase that. Jewish Christians keeping kosher and the tensions that arose from the Greek Christians who did not keep kosher. Who's right? Who's wrong? Are the Jew, Jewish Christians proud because they're better Christians, because they're following God's word more closely? Are the Greek Christians proud because they're more enlightened and they realize they don't need to follow kosher? Like, the, these, are, these are the much more nuanced and complex than an imaginary, you know, no-combing practice or whatever. Um and so it does get more complicated than than we're able to like really dive into in this in this context. But um, I think the big point, you know, in addition to seeing what Paul does, we can also see what else Paul says. And two things that I want to point out that Paul says: one is um, there in Christ we are all one. There's neither Greek nor Jew nor slave nor free, et cetera, et cetera. Um, those things, obviously, those distinctions still exist. What, he's not saying that, that we become like a blob when we get baptized or something, <laughs> just transform into a nameless, faceless, uh, you know, generic person. But, um, but you can see how these, these distinctions are, they exist, but you can see the, the, the place that they're kind of given in the Christian context. So when you encounter people who are in these different groups— the, the gospel is for everybody. The gospel reaches to everybody. Um, and that needs to be communicated in a way that those people will hear. And ultimately, what, what supersedes those distinctions and divisions that we have is the unity that we have in Christ. And that seems to me to be the thrust of Paul's whole project when he talks about his apostolic and evangelistic ministry and we see him 
talking with um, people in Athens at the Areopagus, speaking with Roman officials, with synagogue leaders, all that kind of stuff. Um, but also just the the first verse of this of this little passage we read, 19 of, of 1 Corinthians 9, um, I'm free from all and not anyone's slave. I've made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. And earlier, um, he's he's... What sort of kicks this off is he's talking about um, his apostolic ministry, and he's talking about uh, the 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 rights that he has relinquished as part of his ministry, such as you know he's worked with his hands to provide for his needs. He instead of um, instead of relying on the Corinthian church to pay his salary, basically, um, even though like. As the one who brought them the gospel, their their spiritual leader and authority and shepherd, like he does have the the right to you know, and he and he he uses the word of God, quotes the law, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading the grain, um, to to say that he has essentially a God given right to be paid by the church that he has willingly given up for the sake of his ministry, his evangelism and his um, preaching of the gospel to the Corinthians. Um, and so in verse 18, just one verse before what we read, um, he's talking about he's basically like compelled by God to preach the gospel. What then is my reward? To preach the gospel and offer it free of charge and not make full use of my rights in the gospel. And this is, I think, where we really get into the heart of what he's talking about because, A, this is the literary context, so we know that this is related. This is the sentence before our passage, but, but also just in terms of what does it actually mean? Does it mean I change my identity? Does it mean that I lie about my interests or my background or alter my religion and, and how I practice it in order to basically blend in with people around me as if that would somehow lead to more effective evangelism? Well, what Paul is talking about is not not utilizing all of what he's essentially entitled to. We talk about, again, taking money from the church to support his ministry versus choosing not to, even though it would be perfectly good and acceptable and right for him to be supported that way so that he wouldn't need to make tents or whatever. Um, but we're also talking about things like Jews and Greeks, right? Like I... In, in, uh, in Romans, he talks about, if, if it would offend my brother, I would never eat meat again. <laughs> um, after he says that not only is it okay to eat meat, and not only is, he's not even talking about eating meat or eating certain kinds of meat. He's talking about eating meat uh, you know, in the market that, that may have been sacrificed, previously sacrificed to idols. Like he's talking about something very specific, and he's like, well, you know, He's talking about why our liberty in Christ enables us to um, have freedom in how we live in a way that is um, based on the the, the liberation and, and love of the gospel and of Christ in our lives. And then he says, but for the sake of loving my neighbor and specifically, you know, fellow Christians, my brothers and sisters in the church— this is that Jewish believer, Gentile believer tension that's going on in Rome. He's like, I, I would, to put it, to paraphrase it, I would, despite 
the fact that the gospel gives me the right to eat meat and not be concerned about its source in the same way and my conscience can be clean. I, for the sake of loving my brothers and sisters, I would relinquish that right of mine, even though that is a right that, that, that God has given me. I would have, there was, there was to be nothing wrong with that. I would give that up for the sake of the other. And in this case, he's talking about loving each other as people who are in the church. Um, but that is the same principle that's at work here where he's saying, um, like to, to, to put this, in, to, to, to bring Romans into first Corinthians here, like my, my read on this would be when he says, I become to those under the law, um, like one under the law, um, I, an example would be if Paul is entering a city and he's eating at a, at a, the house of a, of a, of a Jew, he would not, you know, I guess if it was in the house, there wouldn't be any, but he wouldn't eat uh, pork, right? If they were at a market, he wouldn't, he wouldn't buy pork to eat because that would be, that would be a stumbling block to that, to that Jew that would get in the way of listening to what Paul has to say about religious matters that is totally unnecessary and reflects a selfishness. Like he's not thinking of that, that person and, and his relationship with that person beyond like above his own interests or needs or desires. And that really seems to be this, this giving up of my rights seems to be the, the core like principle when we're talking about um, the humility that it takes to quote unquote, contextualize the gospel, to live a life that um, opens the doors to effective evangelism, good evangelism, faithful evangelism. um, And that doesn't I guess how to put it like it doesn't it doesn't pile up false obstacles to faith for the Jews and the Gentiles and you know uh, those without the law those under the law um, but it doesn't mean fundamentally changing who Paul is or what he's what he's up to no at least that's 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 what I kind of think I'd want to focus in on as like the principle which is which would guide would want like we could think of a million and and 10 million examples of like, like in, in Hayden's email, uh, to the Muslims, I became like a Muslim or became a Muslim. (laughs) Um, like we can think of a million examples and kind of hash through like, well, that feels like it's going a little too far. Oh, that represents this kind of compromise. Oh, you know, that's something that we can, we would, whatever. But that's, that's more of a, like on the ground, like, you know, I'm thinking about my relationship with my neighbors and who they and, and what I know about them and who they are and, and that kind of thing. Um, whereas, whereas, like, sort of to start in terms of interpreting a passage, I think like this idea of what are the sort of what are what are the sort of like acceptable, good, fine things that might get in the way of specific people that I am interacting with, hearing my message, my my witness to the gospel, and how can I sort of give that up? Are there things I can do to remove those obstacles that don't need to be obstacles? Um, that seems to me to be the point. Yeah, if, no if, there, if there If there is a point, that seems to me to be like the principle that's guiding what Paul's talking about. Yeah, and what, what I like about this passage, and, and this really, I think... Uh, 
if, if we if we're really honest and we really think about it this really gets to the core like it cuts it cut it should cut through each of us in especially in the west especially especially in a in a country like the united states um where we have a lot of rights quote unquote rights we have a lot of freedoms we have a lot of things that are um that we are allowed to do or partake in that in a hyper politicized in a um very divisive uh culture you know think of things like democrat republican even though there are dozens of other parties like man what does it look like to say like i became a republican to reach republicans i became a democrat to reach democrats or i relinquished my rights to bear arms to reach those you know what whatever like yes you have in a in a country with so much autonomy and freedom what does it look like to be selfless to to think about others more than we think about ourselves and i know that's incredibly difficult it's challenging um, but that is the point that's what paul is saying i mean paul is not talking about like necessarily i mean there are times where he utilized his law of the land privileges like when he was a jewish citizen or a roman citizen um but what uh, some of what he was talking about is like biblical right i mean his his the right to like get a salary he was like you know what i'm not gonna take this that was something that like he technically was entitled to should have taken could have taken but didn't take a lot of times today though we're talking about just like law of the land type of things that can become stumbling stumbling blocks to other people um i just i in i i was alluding to this earlier but i feel like i i i found a a much clearer way to say what i was trying to say um calvin actually comments on this passage he says that in you know in differentiating what paul was talking about it, it, quote this is what calvin says quote it was only things indifferent that are otherwise in our choice um so he goes on to say that it is a great error to distinct or to not distinguish between things indifferent and things unlawful meaning like there are certain things that are sinful that are, are that are unlawful and then there are other things that are you know cultural practices that are opinions that are um somewhat subjective those are things indifferent so like we would do well as Christians living in the 21st century to be really clear about what are things indifferent and what are things unlawful. Um, because I think sometimes we, we conflate the two, we confuse the two. Um, and that leads to further stumbling blocks that leads to further disunity, and even within the church, not just within like, you know, non-believers and believers. Um, but like, think of differences that exist between denominations, um, between, you know, different traditions, um, and so like at the end of the day, like as we, as we perhaps maybe wind down this conversation, um, part of me is just thinking like, well, what's the point? What, what's the takeaway? What's the, what's like the thing that we can grasp onto, um, as 21st believer or 21st century believers? Um, I think personally, there are several ways that we can become quote unquote, all things to all people today. Um, number one is to simply listen. I think a lot of times we are far too quick to speak. We want to speak into every situation. Again, we want to share our opinion on, every, on any and every given topic. Um, but we should be people who are quick to listen and slow to speak. Um, instead of being so eager to always share our own thoughts. Number two, we say this all the time, but like it bears repeating. Uh, be kind. <laughs> uh, this should go without saying that Christians ought to be like the most kind, compassionate, humble people in the world. 
Um, but often that that just isn't the case. Like I think we 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 can become so zealous, so um, you know eager at times, but sometimes it's uh, to our own detriment. So like listen, be kind. Um, number three, be sensitive to culture. Be sensitive to the differences that exist, whether it's across political lines, cultural lines, socioeconomic lines. Um, deal with prejudice, number four. Like, recognize your own prejudice. Recognize your own problems within your own heart because, like, it can be difficult to engage with people on the, quote, other side if you don't first deal with whatever's going on in your own heart. Like, this is why I think, like, being a pastor, being a missionary, like, those aren't roles and responsibilities for everybody like there it requires a special sort of disposition a, a special demeanor uh, an attitude that i think uh, especially in our era today we can often conflate um oh man what's the word charisma like charisma for effectiveness i think that's why we see so many pastors fall so hard you know think of your driscoll's your mcdonald's etc they had a lot of charisma they had a lot of charm they were uh, able to draw a crowd, but in the end, like they didn't have the uh, the disposition, they didn't have the um, the makeup to run the race, to complete the race, and that we didn't even finish chapter nine. But if you were to finish the rest of chapter nine, he says in in verse twenty four, don't you know that runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize run in such a way to win the prize. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Like, at the end of the day, like, that's what he says. After he just said, I become all things to all people, he ends that little bit by saying that after preaching, after becoming all things, after doing this, I will not be disqualified. So, obviously, we're not getting to the point where Paul is sinning to to reach other people. He is he is contextualizing. He's, he's taking what he knows of other people and meeting them where they're at, humbly, gently, carefully, all those things. Um, and so as we do that, as we are in our workplace, as we engage, uh, perhaps online or across denominational lines, again, those things that I think we should, we should keep in mind is to, to listen, to be kind, to be sensitive, to, to deal with our own prejudice. Um, and so like, you know, at the end of the day, like Lucas already said, like the, ma the matters of the cross are what's offensive, um, and so in every way possible, we should do everything we can to be as inoffensive as we can because our message is inherently offensive. It, it cuts across our, our core nature as humans. Um, and so why add unnecessary weights or burdens or offensive things if we don't have to? Like, that's if you talk to anybody out there, you know, you go interview people on the street, like people who are not Christians, when you talk to them, so much of their opinion is colored by people who have been hurtful, people who have been offensive. And perhaps that means different things to different people. And maybe, you know, maybe they've engaged with Christians who really weren't offensive. They just didn't like the message. But I can guarantee you that a lot of them have engaged with people who just were unnecessarily offensive, who 
who, you know, perhaps put weights on people, were overbearing, um, rude, critical, whatever. Um, so yeah, like my, my sort of takeaway, and I'm glad that like a, a listener recommended this passage because like, this is one that maybe we would have done eventually, maybe we wouldn't have, but it's good to think about. It's good to be reminded that even Paul, the great apostle who wrote much of the New Testament, like was not a perfect man, did things that were, you know, obviously sinful, but like knew who he was in Christ, knew what it meant to, to live faithfully. And so like, like Paul even says, as Paul imitates Christ, be an imitator of me. And he was saying that to the, the church at Corinth, but we can do that today too. We can be imitators of Paul as he was an imitator of Christ. Um, so I don't know if you have any final thoughts, but that's sort of where I've landed on this passage. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would definitely echo everything you said. And also just sort of um, to to put a bow on it nicely, like this this specifically, you know, we're heavily thinking about like relationships or situations where you're you're uh, able to have some sort of evangelistic conversation or something. But beyond that, I think this gives us a framework for approaching every aspect of how we live our life. Um, Not just, okay, I'm in this situation where I've moved to a different country or I'm talking to someone from a different background. How can I contextualize or whatever? But, but I mean, and obviously you have to do that in those situations, but just to, to be characterized for us as the church to be characterized by this humility to place the needs and importance of others above and before ourselves uh, just as a matter of course, just as how we live our life um, because we are running this race and, and we, you know, strive and intend to run with perseverance until the end to obtain our crown um, so we we exercise self-control and discipline our bodies so that um, we won't be disqualified. And I think that 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 humility that that goes so hand in hand with being able to speak to to others um, also like it in order for that to actually be effective needs to characterize your life when no one's looking. That humility and integrity that Paul is, you know, is, is, is a display of, and that he's also sort of advocating for here, ought to be how we are characterized in our day-to-day lives, as well as in our more specific situations where we're engaging with others or something like that. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, without, I guess, any further ado, we can we can wrap this episode up. I, I realized maybe beforehand we didn't prepare a prayer, so like I just randomly flip to the psalms um while we were speaking here so i have psalm 86 i'm sort of starting in the middle because it's a longer one uh starting in verse 8 it says lord there is no one like you among the gods and there are no works like yours all the nations you have made will come and bow down before you lord and will honor your name for you are great and you perform wonders you alone are god teach me your way lord and i will live by your truth give me an undivided mind to fear your name I will praise you with all my heart, Lord my God, and I will honor your name forever, 
for your faithful love for me is great, and you rescue my life from the depths of Sheol. God, arrogant people have attacked me. A gang of ruthless men intends to kill me. They do not let you, uh, they do not let you guide them. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give me your strength. Save the son of your female servant. Show me the sign of your goodness. My enemies will see me and be put to shame because of you, Lord, and help uh, as you have helped me and comforted me. Amen. Amen. So, man, we are just, I feel like every week, seeing more engagement, more interaction, you know, emails coming in. And we just, I mean, I personally want to say thank you. It's cool that like three years in and people are still listening, still engaging. Um, so big shout out to all of you. Um, thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to any of our other 250 some episodes. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email. We always read and love emails. Uh, you can find us doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, send us your feedback. Send us your questions. Send us your episode ideas. We'd love to hear from you. Remember to be nice. Uh, engage well. Be compassionate. Um, perhaps read all of 1 Corinthians like 12 times. And then maybe you'll have internalized it. I don't know. But at the end of the day, trust God and cast lots, people. Peace out. See you.